This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canivery. Thanks for joining us. In the early days of what we would consider modern science, women were not encouraged to pursue scientific exploration. In fact, they were mostly prohibited. It wasn't until the Age of Enlightenment during the late 17th and 18th centuries that some women emerged as trailblazers in certain scientific fields. Women attempting to pursue the sciences were ridiculed before the Enlightenment with the thought that a woman's morals would be impacted. During this era, there was an assumption that physiologically, the female brain could not cope with things like mathematics, experimental proofs, or laboratory procedures. On today's show, we're going to get a preview of an upcoming lecture called Cultivars of Knowledge, Women in the Study of Botany from 1650 to 1850, which explores the rich history of female botanists, highlighting some examples of women who traveled the world as botanical researchers, illustrators, writers, and educators. The virtual talk is this Thursday, September 30th from 6 to 7 p.m. It's It's presented in conjunction with the Florida Gulf Coast University Archives and Special Collections exhibition called The Shape of Orchids, an Eternal Love Affair, which is on display until December 3rd. I spoke yesterday with Dr. Elizabeth Bolden. She's an associate professor of history in the Department of Social and Behavioral Sciences at FGCU, and will be conducting the presentation tomorrow. Dr. Bolden, welcome to Gulf Coast Life. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We invite you to engage with us and your fellow listeners about today's conversation or any of our shows by finding us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. And on Twitter, we're at WGCU using the hashtag GCL. So is the subject of women's contributions to botany something that's always been within your academic area of interest? Or did you kind of bone up on it because of this exhibit? Well, it actually connects to a larger book project that I'm working on, on Quaker women educators. And there are several science educators who were botanists, and that's how I first got interested. And then I was thrilled to hear about this exhibit because of the connection to um, my work. And Melissa Vanderberg at University Archives and Special Collections invited me to give a talk. So how did you go about doing the research to prepare for this talk and sort of isolating or identifying these particular women? Well, I wanted to find a selection of women who represented different nationalities and different experiences. And uh, the activity of women ranges from really illustration to publication to education. So I wanted to make sure that I represented a, a woman from each of the various categories of women botanists at this time. What were the primary ways that women were deterred from pursuing science during that era? There are really a couple of different major things. Um, Most broadly, for science in general, there was, in the late 18th and early 19th centuries, a growing trend toward the professionalization of science. And as science became what we today think of as modern science, That was really um, a time where women were expelled from the study of science for a period of time up until really the 20th century. But more specifically to botany, there were also some concerns out of 18th century botany because plants were uh, characterized according to sex as to whether it was appropriate for women to study something so, (laughs) uh, so closely associated with sex. Isn't that interesting that times have changed that much, that just talking about the male and female parts of flowers was considered something taboo? Absolutely, (laughs) yes. Um, Is this a uniquely American or Western European thing in terms of the reluctance? Because I noticed one of the women that you highlight was traveling doing botany like 100 years before the other women. 
That's right. Yeah, a lot of these women are associated with an 18th century botanist named Carl Linnaeus, very important scientist who was the founder of the modern system of taxonomy and what we today call binomial nomenclature, uh, using genus and species. Like Homo sapien. Exactly. Tyrannosaurus rex. Yeah. So um, a lot of the women that I'm focusing on are coming out of that context. So they're mostly European and American, but they are also very much traveling throughout the world in the collection of plants. Well, let's talk about some of these women. Uh, The one that got my attention first was Jean Barrett. Is that how you say it? Jean. John. (laughs) John. Yes. Uh, so I think she's in many ways the, the most remarkable of these women in that she was the first known woman to circumnavigate the globe. And she snuck on a ship disguised as a man. She did. <laughs> you're, you're burying the lead, as we say. Yes, <laughs> she did. She snuck on a ship. She disguised herself. Um, she wanted to accompany her lover, uh, who was appointed as a botanist on the expedition of um, bougainvillea around the world. And that's where we get our bougainvillea plant that's in Florida, so beautiful, um, from from his name. And so she accompanied her lover around the world in the collection of plants. Um, is there a lot of information on her? I mean, is this something that has been well-researched and well-documented so you can go back and find her story with pretty good clarity? Unfortunately, the sources are really contradictory on her. So we have um, some journals, both of crewmates from that ship as well as Bougainville's journal, but some of them co- contradict each other. Um, there's been some attempt to try to reconstruct her story. There's a, a book by a, a woman named Glennis Ridley on Jean Barre's life, um, but we know less about her than we do most of the other botanists in my talk. Let's talk about some of the other botanists. Jane Colden, recognized as the first female botanist to master the Linnaean system that you mentioned, but she was not recognized contemporaneously, right? She did That came later. She did the work, and it wasn't until later that people identified her as that. Is that correct? Well, at the time, she was very famous in a very small circle of her peers, her intellectual peers who were interested in botany, including men who communicated with her a lot. But after she died, her work was pretty much buried in an archive. And so um, historians have been reconstructing her significance to botany in the past few years as they've become more interested in women in botany. She was born into um, an upper class family. But then you also highlight, well, back to Jean Barrett, mm-hmm. Jean Barrett. Yes. <laughs> back to Jean Barrett. Um, she was born um, to day laborers. So the very lowest of the of the society. Um, can you just talk some about how remarkable that was for somebody not born to a lawyer or something to wind up traveling the world studying botany? Sure. I mean, it's really extraordinary because she would not have had a formal education. And uh, so we we do know that uh, her... Her lover, Philibert uh, Comerson, was trained in the Linnaean method and was actually recommended by Linnaeus to this. So she was likely given a lot of kind of informal education, whereas someone like Jane Colden would have had quite a bit of formal education and had a lot more training and certainly been much more literate um, from an early age. From what I read, um, how do you say his name, Comerson? Comerson. 
It sounded like maybe he was kind of unorganized and she came in and kind of got his stuff together. Is that, yes. a, is that a way to put it? <laughs> that would be a good description <laughs> of it. <laughs> yes. Um, let's also talk then about uh, the German person who I recognized earlier. So back all, almost 100 years before, like this is before uh, Linnaeus was even born, she was doing botany. So how do you say her name, Maria? Maria Sibylla Marion, yes. And she is Probably the most famous of the women um, that I'm going to be talking about. So what's her story? Well, Marianne was born to a, a family of illustrators, and she, from a very young age, learned to illustrate both insects and plants. And uh, over the course of her life, traveled to many places and developed quite the reputation as a, a publisher and illustrator of both insect and plant books. So back then, being an illustrator was a key component of doing this kind of work. Is that correct? Or that's the way I perceive it anyway. That is correct. And um, in general, the better your illustrations, the more fame. <laughs> so Marianne was a beautiful artist, um, just spectacular in her depictions of both plants and insects. And she was one of the first to think what we might call more ecologically, um, sort of more holistically about the development between um, plants and insects and how they interact in the real world. Was the artistic angle on this something that did give women a way into it, or is that just me thinking about it through a modern lens? No, that's that's absolutely a great assessment of that. Um, art was always seen as somewhat of a safe and acceptable activity for women. So to draw plants, to illustrate plants was um, something that women had been doing for many years at this point and remained a sanctioned activity even when questions came about uh, regarding women's participation in botany. Do you have any sense of what women were doing in other realms of science at the time? Sure. So there there were women practicing other um, aspects of science. The difference, though, is that botany became uh, what is sometimes called a feminized science to the extent that it became for a brief period of time at the end of the 18th century, specifically associated with women. So that uh, by the time that men decided, oh, wait, we want in on this, <laughs> they had to launch campaigns to actually defeminize it and make it more acceptable for men to practice. That's pretty fascinating. Yes. Um, so we're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask, I understand you are working on another book. Yes. Uh, Teachers of Light, Quaker Women Educators in the Age of Reason? That's correct, yes. Tell us about that. <laughs> I'm reconstructing uh, the remarkable story of women, Quaker women, uh, in both America and Britain who made significant contributions to the Enlightenment as teachers and educators. So um, looking at all aspects from science educators uh, all the way to women who established schools and were involved in Aspects of, for example, trying to bring an end to the slave trade. When will that be done? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully a couple of years. Okay. Well, that is all the time we have for this part of the show. But I want to thank my guest, Dr. Elizabeth Bolden, is an associate professor in the Department of Social and Behavioral Sciences at Florida Gulf Coast University. She's a professor of history and author of Women, Prophets, and Radical Protestantism in the British Atlantic World, 1640 to 1730. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the invitation. She'll be presenting a virtual event called Cultivars of Knowledge, Women, and the Study of Botany from 1650 to 1850 on Thursday, September 30th from 
6 to 7 p.m. This event, which is open to the public, is presented in conjunction with the Florida Gulf Coast University Archives and Special Collections exhibition, The Shape of Orchids, and Eternal Love Affair, which remains on display through December 3rd. You can find information about the presentation and the exhibit on our website, wgcu.org slash gcl.